0: Welcome to episode
1: 114 of Design Details. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we sat down with repeat guests. John Gold is back in the United States for a little bit. So we caught up with him and also had Linda Eliason uh, back on the show. They both have new jobs, so we got caught up with them. And this was probably one of our more casual episodes. Um, We kind of meandered through a lot of topics, but it was was a lot of fun. I think we get into some really interesting points of discussion. Uh, We hope you enjoy it. Definitely let us know what you think on Twitter at design details fm before we get into the show though, we have two sponsors we want to thank for making this episode possible
0: first up you know them you love them they're here all the time dropbox Uh, dropbox is the simplest way to work the way you want with all sorts of files we use them for literally everything here at spec as well as at our day jobs and our son projects everything they're pretty fantastic whether you're sketching coding prototyping writing coding they're there with you throughout the entire process It works with any kind of file, so you're able to choose the tools you need for every project. And when you're ready for feedback, you can send large files to anyone fast just by sending a link. So you can just send people a link, they go to a website, they can see the file without having to download it. So you don't have to worry about uploading a large file because if it's synced, it's already uploaded. And then they don't have to download it, they can just view it in the browser Their commenting feature gives people a central place to post their thoughts so you can give feedback and have conversations right alongside the work itself. And Dropbox gives you the freedom to work on anything from anywhere with anyone you choose and you can check them out and get started at dropbox.com. Thanks once again to Dropbox.
1: Our second sponsor is Atomic. Atomic is a cloud-based design and prototyping tool for designers, software teams, design teams. It makes it really easy to design medium to high fidelity prototypes and designs, basically imagine sketch-ish tools like rectangles and text and, and things like that that you need in color, and then having the interaction and prototyping right alongside that. So you have timelines and you can move different elements between states, do gestures and swiping on all of your devices. Incredibly easy, really beautiful tool. They're also perfect for teams because it's in the cloud. So you can work with your team together at the same time in the same designs. You can clone an entire project, iterate on it, and you can invite anyone uh, to give feedback, review it, and collaborate. So even non-designers can jump straight into the tool and give feedback on your designs. Uh, And they're also just weeks away from shipping a huge feature they want you to know about. It's gonna take team-based sharing and collaboration to a new level, and it's called Atomic Components. So think about components uh, like symbols, but on steroids. So basically it's like making a modular pattern library of totally interactive components in your designs that the entire team can use and share across projects. So basically a live style guide that carries interactions across screens and across files, insanely cool stuff. We're really excited to have them sponsoring the show. It's a great tool that really is in the space that nobody's at yet, which is this beautiful middle ground of designing and prototyping all in the same app. You can check out Atomic at atomic.io. They have a 30-day free trial. Also, if you hit up Atomic on Twitter at we underscore R underscore Atomic, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Just mention design details and they'll double your trial to 60 days or, if you've started a trial in the past, they'll restart your old one. So it's an awesome tool. Check them out at Atomic.io and hit them up on Twitter. Mention Design Details FM and they'll hook it up. Thanks again to Atomic.
0: And with that, let's get to episode 114 with John Gold and Linda Eliason.
2: Hi, <laughs> I'm Linda Eliason and I am talking over John's laughter, mostly, I am also a art director at Wayno. It is pronounced Wayno. Ueno. Like Bueno, but without the B. That's what I do right now with my time.
0: You know our audience knows what Wayno is, right? They sponsor. Nobody knows.
2: You guys sponsor oh, like every episode. Okay, yeah. All right, John, who are you?
3: Um, I'm John Gold. I'm an independent Designer and engineer, currently working on some design tools and algorithmic design systems and that kind of fun stuff. Indie designer, independent, if got unemployed. Your own indie label, no agent yet. I'm just, I'm pretty unemployed right now.
2: He's like Tom York, but for design tools. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
3: That's me right there. So we've we've had
1: you both on the show before, <clears throat> independently. Uh, you're back as a duo. You both are doing new things. Uh so tell us a little bit more about what's happened in the last I guess 6ish months. 6 months? 6 months?
2: Yeah. yeah. I'll go first. Um so when I talked to you guys, I had just quit my job a few days before and um at Dropbox? Yes. At dropbox.com. So I so I talked to you guys and then I took a month off and like went to New York. I thought maybe I was going to move there. I went to Atlanta. I was like, maybe I'll move back, be an aunt full-time, aunt. Um, full-time aunt. Full-time auntie. I also started freelancing, and um, that was super fun. And
0: Linda's a good great. aunt name.
2: It's a perfect aunt. It's also a great grandma name, mom name. I get that all the time. Oh, my mom's name is Linda. I'm like, well, I guess we're not dating. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, good pickup line, dude. <laughs> All right. Peace. Yep. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I freelanced and it was the first time that I've ever done that. So I was like kind of learning a lot about myself and how Wait, I Wait, that was your first time? Myself. Yeah. When I was at Squarespace, I like freelanced on the side, but it was the first time that it was like solely oh, my source. Oh, I got it. How that.
1: did you do it? How did, How did you get started?
2: Um... I just responded to some of the emails in my inbox.
0: Oh, you,
1: and was like, <laughs> oh, well, that's easy.
2: It was pretty easy. Well, cause
0: yeah, I, guys, I pretty much had a gold mine in there. Don't <laughs> worry about it.
2: <laughs> well, so I wrote this Medium article about quitting my job, and people are obsessed with that for some reason, with Medium in general. And so it caused like this huge stir. And um, I don't know why. I was basically writing like a live journal entry about quitting my job. It was just kind of like a honest and emotional thing. Um, But yeah, after that, like, honestly, my inbox was like, kind of blew up for like a month or two. Um, And it was to the point where I just couldn't keep up with everything. But there were a few interesting projects that a a few friends of mine in the city needed me to work on. And so I went and worked with them. And that's also uh, then how I met Hallie, the guy who started Wayno. He hit me up on Twitter, was like, hey, do you want to come to the office? And I did. And. He was just so laid back and awesome. I really
0: did want to go visit the office. I just just really wanted to visit the office.
2: (laughs) I was like, uh, I was so sick of doing all these like coffee meetings and stuff. (laughs) I feel like this city runs on those.
3: Uh, Hey, man,
1: want to grab a coffee? Actually, you know, I don't mind that, but yeah, it's true.
3: It takes its toll. It really breaks up your day. It does. It's great to meet people, but But it it re energizes you to an extent. Kind of. Caffeine.
2: Because I realized that I had to like put all the coffee dates on one day.
3: I like to go on waves with that. Like I love meeting people. It's my favorite thing about this industry. I like talking to people. But at the same time, if I have more than like three days in a row where I've done like two hours of work because I've been running around the city trying to go to coffee dates, it drives yeah. me crazy.
2: It's so hard. Yeah. It completely takes you out of your zone. It's impossible. you got to
3: batch that stuff up, I think. And True. maybe like when you go back into bouts of freelancing, you just, you know, it's just something you need to do. You know, you've got to, kind of got to do the coffee ride show. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: coffee. I plan it for days when I know I have something hard to work on because I know I'm going to need to step away from my computer and like I need to force myself to not bang my head against something for a minute. And like I know that that's what my default reaction will be.
3: I'm like the opposite of that. If I've got something hard to do, I... I like to try to like completely clear my calendar, you know, not do anything that's a distraction. If I've got a bunch of emails and like bullshit to do, then I'll try and put that, like put admin tasks on, on coffee mm-hmm. days and just be like, whole day was a write off, like whatever. You know, let's let's move on. Let's move on.
2: Yeah, exactly. Get your exercising in and all that. Nothing else.
3: <laughs> so you met Hallie. Coffee so- and exercise day.
2: So one of those coffees was with this dude, Hallie, and uh, he was just so rad. He was just so honest. Accurate.
3: We're all nodding right now. I guess everybody
2: everybody in the room is nodding. Um, And so he asked me if I wanted to do a contract job with them. And I was like, okay, sure. And then a few weeks into working on that project, I really was hoping that they would want me to stay because they were just so You knew right away. Yeah, I mean, the, I was really enjoying like my freedom and I really wanted to stay a freelancer and like have start a studio or something. Um, but I was getting really lonely working by myself and this team was just so good and these people were so, yeah, so I decided to to stay. So I'm, I'm now an art director there and we work on um, some pretty fun stuff for clients around the city. So it's a lot of tech related things for some of the bigger people and some of the smaller ones as well.
1: What exactly in your case does it mean to be
0: an art director?
2: So in my case, it's uh it basically doesn't mean anything and it's like That's uh, what
0: it means in everyone's case. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> I
2: mean, I've Tally never knows, met
0: someone who like called themselves an art director who had like a set responsibility list.
2: Yeah. Um I think that it was mostly just a formality and I even asked Tally, I was like, "Hey, so I see on my contract it says art director." I was like, "Is that like a thing?" Or is it just like a thing? <laughs> and what, he was which like, one "Oh, was it? which oh, was it? it's just a thing."
1: <laughs> oh, just a thing. Okay.
2: Yeah. So he was like, "Yeah, it's it's just a formality, whatever." Um, but I mean, I think that it's more just that um, there are some people on our team with more or less experience, and I am one of the slightly more experienced people. And um,
1: so you get a more badass sounding title, right? Yeah, it only makes sense.
2: The I think we all That's did that awesome.
3: when I started working in startups. <laughs> really? it was like when Were I was an yeah. art
0: director, art director John Gold, had no, was, head was, of design. Was, oh, I was, nice! I was lead designer
3: <laughs> when I was like what twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. With worked, with no people, with zero of the designers mm-hmm. on the team. I mean, you know, you are a lead. You, you know, know then you're, you're a lead designer if there are no other designers. you the most.
1: <laughs> I think people's bullshit. people's humility in that scenario would say, "All right, I'm just a designer." Honestly, the smart thing to do is say like lead designer or something like that. that I mean, there's also probably like being being pers- my, my yeah. title has
3: always just been designer. There's also being a precocious 21-year-old. I think that probably yeah. plays into it a precocious. little bit. Um, Linda, maybe you haven't been there for long enough to, uh, to be able to speak to it. But it, whenever I hang out with Wayno people, it seems like you've got just a really chill te- like a chill, diverse team. Like yeah. everyone you work with is awesome. How did that?
2: How did that happen? Mm. Well, I feel like... Company culture is a trickle-down thing. I think it starts with whoever founded it, and then you can just see patterns from there extending all the way down. And so and,
0: Hallie is just chill as fuck.
2: Yeah, he is the chillest motherfucker so, I've
0: ever worked whoa, with.
1: Whoa, you just called your boss up.
0: And
3: he's 100% okay with that? <laughs> he is
2: totally fine with that. I so guarantee if, you.
3: you're, if you're listening to this and trying to start your own company and you want... <laughs> and, you know you want it to be chill as fuck right um you need to have hallie as your co-founder so yeah
2: that's all you should that's, do yeah, Just, anyway. and if you look at your co-founder and they're kind of like a douchebag then
3: and they're not hallie start
2: <laughs>
0: over <laughs> <laughs> exactly
2: um yeah, yeah i mean it's really hard to say i think that like hallie what he does is he uh invites people in to work as a contractor for a couple of weeks and sometimes he lets you know that it's kind of sort of an interview and sometimes he just doesn't like in my case he was like oh no we just need you to do a freelance job but i think that's because he's crafty and he he did that intentionally cuz like I, I wasn't looking for a job so if he like said anything about the potential of full-time employment it's i would have been like nope way. nope nope i'm going to go so what he yeah so he has people come in and work with the team for a few weeks and then that way like you you can actually see what it's like to work with them And what their personality is like. You'll see them under high pressure situations. Like, you'll see if they get along with people, if they're willing to like chat with you at lunch, like all the little stuff. And then he asks everybody on the team, like, how they felt it went with that person. And then, yeah, sometimes people stay and sometimes people don't. But I feel like if it doesn't work out, it's for like a multitude of reasons. It's never just like, oh, yeah, we didn't like you or like you're a bad designer. It could be anything, it could be like timing or visas or. Like, one person didn't get along with them. You know, you just never know. So, yeah. So, I think that's how it works. It's just that hmm. if everybody's a part of that approval process, then—and if you're, like, testing it out from the start, then there's, like, no room for people to slip through the cracks.
1: Can you know? one person veto a hiring decision?
2: Um, I don't know the answer to that question. You would have to ask Callie because, um, yeah. I don't know. We. I feel like I can ask him anything, but he's not like a, a super talkative guy. Mm-hmm. So if ever I have a question about something, I'll just be like, hey, dude. And I'll ask, and he always gives me a very honest answer.
1: How? What's the day-to-day like of Wayno?
2: The day-to-day?
1: It's super chill, laid back. Everyone there is... The day-to-day No, Awesome. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the client list is crazy. The workload is high. Like, what's it actually like?
2: Hey, so you guys know these things called meetings? Yes. Yeah, we don't.
1: Hmm. That's oh, how get... interesting. What? Yeah. That sounds so dreamy. Mind blown. right? Wait, you really don't have any meetings?
2: Literally none. So
1: no, we
2: have one weekly meeting that every single person at Wayno attends, uh, which is like our New York office, our Icelandic office. So we talk for like an hour. We always have a topic, and we um, are we all like we all seem to really care a lot about what's going on there. So it can get kind of like. Passionate sometimes. But heated? Not heated. Because Eisen's involved. Yeah. And but you don't
3: do like stand ups or. No stand ups. So, um, how do you get any work done?
2: <laughs> how do you, you hire adults. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so, I
2: think a lot of the people who work there have uh, come from a somewhat independent background. Like, Louisa started her own Louisa. small agency. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Please don't make me mess it up on air. It's like
1: link in the show notes. I'll find her.
2: Yeah. Um, and a few of the other people there have freelanced on their own for a long time or like run their own things and everybody just is responsible for their own client. So when you're assigned to a project, you're basically being assigned a relationship like with that client specifically. So if my client is, let's come up with a fake name, uh, John Glass Company. Nice.
1: Long John Silver?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So if (laughs) you guys are going to get a bunch of free Long John Silver after this episode, it'll be great. Hard
1: pass. Hard (laughs) accept.
2: Send it all to Brian's house.
1: Just kidding. I actually don't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cancel. Um, So I'll go to the client's office alone and i'll get the briefing from whoever's working on things there and then it's just my job to figure out who's in charge of what at that company to gather as much information as possible make sure that i'm set up to do my best work and then i set up like a very constant relationship with them so i let them know like okay we're not going to do this huge reveal in a few weeks where we come back and we show you the brilliant work that we've done it's going to be like an everyday conversation on Slack where I'm like, hey, here's what I was thinking about those icons, or here's what I'm thinking for the colors. And like, so it's
1: almost like you're working there.
2: Almost, yeah. Except I get to go back to Bueno and hang out with my homies while I work on that work. And so then I'll just go to the client's office like a few times a week, or we even bring them into our office sometimes if they're sick of being at their offices, which a lot of t- times I think they are. And, um, yeah, and then we just kind of get it done. So, I mean, I've only been there for a few months and I've only had a few different clients, but it's just been so nice because I seriously have eight hours a day of committed design time. And I haven't had that in I don't even know how long.
3: That's got to be fun. Like, I love the idea of a lot of these processes that people try out, like Agile, Scrum, whatever the fuck, also mm-hmm. end of the day. Maybe it speaks to the startups I've worked at, but I've never... Like I'm just gonna like say blanket statement. I have never in my career worked somewhere where someone's introduced a management methodology or more meetings that have made me more productive. Like it's always, always, always been some top-down mandate that takes away your time and makes you unproductive. So maybe I've just worked at completely dysfunctional companies, yeah, or maybe stand-up meetings are bullshit.
2: I think it all comes from good intention, but I think that it's mostly the introduction of anxiety onto your calendar. For me, personally, it's just like, if I have a scrum, I'm just panicked to get to it on time. I'm panicked, what am I going to say? I'm panicked if I didn't have enough time to get to the thing I said I was going to do yesterday. And all of that stuff and all of those emotions have nothing to do with the work that I have to do. So it's just borrowing energy from your actual design work.
3: Completely. I think anything, you know, it, it's just a context switching thing. Like any time that I'm preparing my notes and what I did for something, it's time that it's just going to take me longer and longer to get back into my design space or my code space after that.
2: That's interesting. So you you feel like you've only worked in places that had all of these like proven processes and things like uh, scrums and whatever, or
3: where we intru- where we would get along just fine, you know, doing the work and such like, and you know, having ad hoc informal meetings about things. And then some usually white guy in a suit would be like, hey, now you need to do blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And now we need to have full team stand ups every day or something. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff is just, it drains energy. Yeah. It's really frustrating, you know, anything that just sucks your motivation.
1: It's like, uh, probably get shit for this, but have you guys have read Paul Graham's uh, Makers or Manager's Schedule, Maker's Schedule? Something
0: Love like that. that post. Here
3: comes your shit. I I think it's completely true. I think it's true as well.
2: I haven't heard of this book. Should we? uh...
3: I think it's a blog post. Go for it. So the idea is that people who make things, designers or engineers or whatever, have a certain threshold of concentration needed to get back to productivity. I haven't read this post in in like a year, so I might be paraphrasing.
2: Wait, is this the thing about deep work? versus...
3: So it touches on it. So it touches okay. on it. So Paul Graham was saying, how to a manager, someone who's, whose day is a ton of just, you know, 15-minute taps on the shoulders and stuff, they're they used to that constant interruption and their day is their day is based around consistent um, context switches for designers, for engineers and stuff. It's completely the opposite. Like, we need blocks of time to be able to get anything done. We need that kind of runway to get done um, and how there's... You know, whenever work breaks down, it's because there's this fundamental mismatch between people who think it's fine to tap you on the shoulder and people who don't, you know. And this kind of goes back into what Cal Newport was talking about in his new book, Deep Work, which I think I tweet about like every other day. But it was like the best mm-hmm. book I've read. Like, oh, I have read it. It was so good. Just about the value of like turning off Twitter, not checking Facebook, sorry. Um, <coughs> you know, just getting your head down and like doing the work.
2: Yeah. I think that anxiety is one of those things that perpetuates itself, too. Like in an organization, if you're putting all of these blocks and things on people's schedules that kind of induce a little bit of anxiety, then everybody feels like what they need in that moment is the most important thing. And they feel entitled to that tap on the shoulder to interrupt you and then give you more anxiety and then make you feel more entitled the next time you need to interrupt somebody. So I feel like it kind of has this snowball effect and it can kind of create some like tense environments.
3: I think that's the best thing that managers can do is to just, like, give everyone, like, an environmental Prozac, you know? Just, like, yeah. Just calm everything down. So,
2: I mean, today I went to the office. Uh, I was two hours late because of daylight savings and because of laziness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> High five. That's partially not- because of bullshit science, partially because <laughs> of uh,
0: I'm really lazy. <laughs>
2: I mean,
1: on Bullshit. Friday,
0: pseudoscience. Pseudoscience.
2: On Friday, I got in at seven thirty because I couldn't. Uh, I woke up and couldn't sleep, and then today I just completely balanced it all out by coming in at eleven. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's how that's how math works. I, I buy that. But so I came in and um, we had lunch together, and we I got to working on some stuff and. One of my coworkers, uh, Anthony Smith, he just got this amazing new logo book because I'm working on this logo for an app that he's working on. And he like plopped it on my desk and I just like seriously almost had a heart attack. It was so awesome. And then uh, Hallie was like not even in the office, but he just hit us up on Slack and he was like, hey guys, plants are here. We're like, what? And he had just had a shitload of plants delivered to the office, (laughs) like giant, like little trees and stuff.
1: Giant little trees. Giant little trees. Mm.
2: I say giant trees, but they're not, you know, like like E T forest yeah, size. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you know, little babies. But yeah. So I mean it just it feels so good there. And I didn't have a single meeting and I just I still got a lot of design work, even though I came in late like a lazy asshole.
1: Yeah, I think back to the like manager's schedule thing is having those uninterrupted blocks because if you have, even thirty minute gaps in between, I think it's easy to
3: to look at that and be like, oh yeah, it's thirty minutes of your day that you can design. Yep. Uh, it's actually no. it's actually zero minutes, right? It's zero minutes because you are like you spend all of your time worrying about the next thing on your yeah. schedule or trying to remember what you were supposed to be yeah. doing. My thirty minute blocks are email, coffee. and grabbing a coffee, or just wasting time. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think to do good work, you need to uh, you just need to have that focus. You need to have that consistency.
0: True. The whole Y
3: Combinator thing has never appealed to me. Who's Paul Paul Graham? Paul Graham was one of the founders of Y Combinator, which is a trendy startup accelerator. What I dislike is the the mindset of
0: encouraging people to be founders for the sake of being founders.
3: I didn't think he does that. I think think the
0: the rest of startup culture perpetuates that. It's
2: like the whole movement of like convincing kids to drop out of college, you know, to go start a company. But I don't think
0: Cal and Sam Altman and all those people have always been interested in doing that thing. Product Hunt encourages it in a huge way. I think he's written pretty straightforward thoughts about whether or not you should drop out of college.
3: I think he's written some. Really I'm not good about it, so just dropping I've, out of
0: college, but like the whole like be a founder no matter what thing. I just don't think that's. A I don't think. Reasonable thing. I think that
3: that's. I, I don't know. I, th- uh, I think still, uh, Paul Graham's a uh, straw man there. Like, I think okay, he has some viewpoints that people find problematic, but I think if you're going to criticize the startup for the sake of it mentality, I would look to regional me too startup accelerators. I would look to everywhere in Europe or wherever else trying to be the Silicon Valley of East England or the, the, the Silicon Valley of Bavaria okay. like okay no, so that is like that's where the problem comes from it's like these places with no entrepreneurial like heritage trying to recreate what people did successfully in Silicon Valley for oh, completely I different think reasons the, there's plenty of that culture here as well
0: like no doubt there's a larger scale of it but I think we have plenty of that issue here
3: right but YC is the best I'd pick on the people who aren't the best really? yeah mm. Well, mm. well, we're we gonna get funded.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we we totally agree. I think I think for me is you don't have to agree with everything someone says to recognize that they have good points. And I think I feel as, I feel similar to Paul Graham. I think he's said some pretty interesting things. I think the biggest post he got flack for was the whole uh, it's like it's about uh, I economics. Think the biggest thing he and got it flack was flack for was shit, supporting
3: was Nero. He supported Nero. Oh, I don't yeah. know anything about that. Oh, let's not even talk about that guy. Okay. Local London.
1: Um, he wrote a post about the distribution of wealth in America, and that got him a lot of shit. But some of his older essays, I think, are completely
3: valid. I think Have he you has guys read thoughts. Hackers and Painters? No. His book, I guess it was a collection of essays, but I first read it about five, six years ago. It's a collection um, of his essays? Oh. I think I, th- I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like the older stuff. And I love that book. Like it it consistently gets me excited about San Francisco, about the Valley, about the different culture that you have here. Marketing.
2: Boring.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it probably side more with John. I think he knows who his audience is. And I don't think there's anything wrong with writing posts that you you think your audience will resonate with. So I don't think it makes sense for him to write blog posts that would be like, don't start a company when the people that look to him for advice are the people that are thinking about starting a company. And he's trying to explain the pros
0: and cons of it. And you he, don't think that if attempts, someone is thinking of starting a company without an actual idea that he shouldn't tell them not to do it?
1: I think he 100% talks about you should have an idea. He says solve, uh, fuck, what's the like mantra of YC? Solve problems for people? Oh, shit, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably some bullshit thing. Classic Y Combinator. Damn, dude, we're never going to get funded Oof. if you keep this up. Correct. Britt and I are trying to raise money for the podcast.
3: Nice. That's not a thing we're doing. You guys should move to Europe. There's no VC there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement. You guys want to swap?
2: No. Uh, I think, wait, John.
3: Hey. Oh, yeah. I
2: think it's your turn to talk about what you've been up to since your last episode. What
3: have I been up to? John just got accepted into YC. Uh, wow, that did not happen if you just tuned in.
2: He's got Kool-Aid stain <laughs> all up on the sides of his mouth. It's weird. Hmm. I've <laughs> been drinking too much of it.
3: <laughs> Sherry. Was, I've I've never drunk Kool-Aid. Sherry sure haven't. No. We don't have it in the UK. I thought you loved America, dude. That cultural reference point just that is, <laughs> Wait, dude, you've never had Kool-Aid? <laughs> I have had zero Kool-Aid in my life.
2: Let's do it. I knew how to mix sugar than,
3: and water in Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid packages. I've definitely the age of like drunk the React Kool-Aid, but apart from that. <laughs> <Heyo>. <laughs> nice. That sucked. Um, oh my god. Okay. so yes.
2: dorky over here.
0: Can't. Does that have mix-ins? Okay, never mind.
2: <laughs> um, all right. So let's, let's pretend I'm interviewing you. I like it. Um, so when was your last episode with these guys?
3: I feel like it was July, August last year. So I think, yeah. So I think it was, what, like nine months ago. I can't do math in my head, but it was something like that. You cool. can't do math in your head. Zero math. And you're doing algorithms. That was like
0: seven months ago.
3: It was July, seven, it was August. nine, whatever. Um, at the time, I was working at the grid. Um, we were a startup doing startupy things. I n- I no longer work there.
2: Who broke up with who?
3: Um, you know, it was a creative differences thing. You know, it's not me. It's you. it was both of us.
2: Yeah, it's not you. It's me. I Let's just not talk about that. Different things.
3: <laughs> um, I no longer work at the grid. Um, so I feel like in terms of life stages, I'm probably about where Linda was. Just when you did your episode, yeah. So what what have you been up to? What have yeah. been up to? i um, I've done pretty much nothing. That's kind of a lie because you're in America. You're back. I am. Okay. So let me let me think. It's been about a month. Yeah. Um, I did a new personal website because you got to do one of those if if you're unemployed. If so John John. John Gold. I think that was the one that I was talking about doing last yes. time I was on this show uh-huh, seven correct. months ago. Mm-hmm. It, took me seven you got months, it took me seven months to, to ship it. But you know, I whatever. know it's it's crazy you shipped the new
0: version like that week.
3: Yeah, you had the did, alpha version up. And it was not good. It was pretty So I, I kind of forgot about it for a couple of months. thematically, it was, it was the same as what you ended up it shipping. Was, yeah, it was yeah. along the same lines. Yeah. Same so in did general. that go. Um, That was something that, yeah, well, I guess it's been in my head for about seven months and just... Took a while. It was a lot of design and a lot of illustration and a lot, of, a lot of code. So you you relaunched your website. That was kind of fun. Um, it was kind of nice to do something that was like very very personal um, and have like more than one person be like, hey, that was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the that's... messages
0: thing, so good. Was yeah. that alright? That was uh, cool. so great. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys.
3: Yeah, if you're listening and haven't checked it out, uh john.gold, get some context. Yes. That was kind of an interesting one. That like that whole site. Um I think for a while it was something that I've been playing with for a while and I think it's a little bit of a departure from what I've done previously on personal websites. It was like very much a me thing. And yeah, I think at the end of the day I figured that I'd rather do something that's completely me than I don't It's know. pure gold. Wow.
2: that's awesome so have you found that like your brain has been buzzing with all of the things that you've kind of wanted to do like have you like had all these like projects on backlog that you're just now getting around to or
3: yeah for sure and this is like the frustrating thing about being freelance this is what i've so for context like i've freelanced on and off for uh, like six seven years maybe more um in bouts, and whenever you go to freelancing, you're like, Oh, this is gonna be amazing. I'm gonna make so much money and I'm gonna have so much time to do all these projects and you know, everything's gonna be amazing, and I'm gonna be able to finance all these crazy things. And then you're like, Oh, I don't have any money left, so <laughs> I can't work on any of these things. But uh yeah, like the past couple of months have been like just the best. I feel like I'm doing pretty sweet work. Um it sucks that I don't have any money to pay for it.
2: That's so great, though. I mean, who cares about who needs money?
3: My landlord. <laughs> <laughs> that is the answer. So, yeah, what are what are you working? on? Uh, the intro you said, design tools. What does that mean? Um, so, right now, I'm working on. I guess they're kind of experimental projects, but just trying to rethink what would make designers a hundred times faster or a thousand times faster than we are now. Um, I'm not working on no more titles. Anything. Problem solved. I'm not working on vector tools. I'm not working on gradient tools. You know, I'm just. You're trying to... blocking Twitter. <laughs> I do block Twitter a lot. I mean, maybe that's what I should do. Like, just walk around people's offices, like slapping them if they're on social media.
1: <laughs> that, <laughs> and get paid a lot, yeah.
3: Do you the reckon? enforcer. I mean, think John how much like think how much productivity. You know, you got a bunch of designers earning 180k a year or whatever they get paid at.
2: Is that what you get paid?
3: No, I get paid zero.
2: I should ask for a raise.
3: Hmm. You don't get paid 180k.
2: Dude, what are you even
1: doing? <laughs> this is San Francisco, man.
2: Bro. <laughs>
1: Bro. Uh, so gross. Can you talk can you tell a little bit more about like how you're thinking about this? How do you make designers
3: a hundred times faster? I think there's a lot of repetitive stuff that people are doing in the design process. I think there's a lot of artworking. I think there's a lot of stuff that we're just getting bored at, you know, at this time. I Examples. Think I think I've never yeah. heard art working as a verb. Me neither. Me like, neither. Like, I hear artwork as a noun. I've never heard. Oh, really? Art work.
2: Thing.
0: Yeah. It's
3: like, uh, it's like in the UK at least. I'd say the art worker is like a the art, jo- worker? art worker. Maybe Whoa. it's like, a, like it's another a des- noun. Like a design. Whole family of words. Like an art worker. It's like a design production person. Maybe it's, on... it's a, maybe it's a British hmm. thing. I think t- it's a British thing. Oh. Do you ever hear Ooh. like worker Lierd. terms
0: like that? You hear like art sex worker. worker.
1: Kind of the same. You went there. You went there on the show. Nice.
0: So
2: what stage would one use these design tools? Are we talking like the early UX stage where you're figuring out the flow of a product? Or are you talking like once things have kind of been nailed down and you're like drilling into the visual design or something?
3: I'm hoping for like a mix of both. Um, I think there's something to be done at the visual design level, like when you just want to explore lots of different options. I realize that this just isn't really going anywhere. Over radio, we have nothing to look at. I'm just being my own hype man, you know? You got are it, your own it. You've been hype tweeting about it? Well, I, you, I send the occasional tweet.
1: The occasional tweet. It's like every hour. So stoked for what I'm working on. Can't wait I to wonder show what you John I is seen a to. single Twitter one
2: Twitter.com.
1: Wow. Oh.
3: Yeah, when when can people expect to see some of the stuff you're working on? I mean, you know, probably when this episode's launched we'll put something in the show notes. Okay, so in seven months. Yay. Cool. Well, <laughs> sick burn. Um, I think the other thing is... That I'm still super passionate about, super stoked about, um, is just like the promise of algorithmic design, of machine like you know the symbiosis of like machine learning, AI with design. There was that startup that I don't work at anymore, um, where we were doing some of that stuff, and I think once you've seen what the future is, you know you've seen what the possibility of this kind of work is, it's pretty difficult to not be kind of obsessed with it. And it wasn't something that just they were doing. Stuff that, you know, Flipboard have been doing with algorithmic layouts is stuff that lots of, you know, you saw um Mike Metaz the other day did that sweet, like, neural network crazy emoji thing. Like, I think there are lots of interesting applications, like, you know, between AI and design. So I'm excited to see where this goes.
1: I have a question for you both. Yes. Just since John's kind of dodging the question, doesn't want to talk about what he's actually building. <laughs> uh John you can talk about it probably a little more closely since you're in it but Linda I'm curious what what it was like kind of having to weigh the the cost of the new opportunity uh for you to work at Wayno and like the job security versus that freedom of of freelancing and kind of getting to pursue that backlog of projects how did you hmm. sort of navigate that and especially as for you Linda as you got the offer from Wayno like what was that decision like
2: um so I always uh I'm really I'm really touchy feely and I I think I always go off of gut feelings for things like this. So I actually was just completely going off of the feeling that I wanted to be away now. Like there definitely is a give and take and I was loving the freelance thing because I was like driving to Pacifica every day because it's only like 15 minutes from where I live in the Mission. And I would hole up in this, like, really crappy little coffee shop that's right next to the ocean. I started my day by, like, staring at the ocean, taking a few deep breaths. And I'm like, what am I going to do today? What are we going to do? That's like the
1: classic freelancer dream daydream, right? I know, right?
2: right? And I'm like, I've made it. Like, this is what I've dreamed about since I was a kid.
1: Two weeks later.
2: (laughs) And then I was like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) But... I think that um, I learned a lot about myself in that process. I've like learned what? that I am a very uh, finicky combination of both introverted and extroverted. So I need these, ta- these hours in isolation every day working on something. But if I only have time alone all day without those interruptions from other people, I get a little crazy, I think. Like I would just kind of like zone out like eat a whole bag of whatever was in the pantry and, or just like, you know, pick a random
0: bag, eat the whole thing.
2: Just whatever, flour, (laughs) dry rice. (laughs) Why is this the only bag in
0: here? Can't eat that other thing. It's in a box. (laughs)
2: Um, yeah, so I, it was, it was really interesting. I would like, I was surprised by my own behavior and realizing that, uh, I, I had to be very careful about how I chose to spend my time, because if I tried to tell myself, no, I'll just work from my house today, uh, I would just get nothing done, because I'd get really sidetracked by something like that I needed to clean or whatever.
1: Or the internet.
2: Or the internet. The internet's tough. Um, but I learned that, you know, okay, if I go to like this one distant coffee shop, like for some reason that place is great, but sometimes you go and... Did it not have internet? Yeah, sometimes you go and the internet's just not working. Then what do you do, you know? So there are all you these work. like <laughs> there are all these variables that are are hard to to plan for. Yeah. And um so when I was working at Winnow, I found that there would be some days where I would just be like, Hey Hallie, I'm not um like I'm finding the office to be a little too distracting right now. Is it okay if I go work from Pacifica or whatever? He's like, do whatever you want, dude. <laughs> you know? He wouldn't say dude. He's actually on on to us right now for using words like guys. Oh really? Yeah.
1: Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah, he. I mean, it's just you know we're not all men, is, myself included.
1: I have a question. Yes. I'm a little hesitant to put this on the air, and I think this is part of the problem with the diversity conversation. Nah, that,
2: go for it. I'm an open book.
1: Is calling a group of guy people guys? Is it because I'm a guy that that seems so generic and? unoffensive or from the female's perspective does that hit you every time like I ah, yes from the female's perspective <laughs> well from the other side like does that hit you is is it strike according your brain like oh he said guys right but I i'm would, not a guy
2: i love this question because
1: and i know i oh, to i'm me, so embarrassed it's gonna be online but i'm actually
2: no this is great <laughs> and like i think a lot of people genuinely don't know and for me personally i hear the word guys and it's like a general people. It's like, what's up, friends?
1: Y'all, folks, comrades, homies, gang.
2: But then if you use the word to describe one person, you're like, oh yeah, this guy was at the gym. Then uh, clearly you're talking about a male. But in our language, I think the word guys when referring to a group has just kind of been turned into this like, what's up, you guys?
1: So why is Hallie on about it?
2: Because some people do find it offensive and they have that right to be offended by it. You know, I can't explain the reasons that I'm offended by something. sometimes. Like, so I, when being referred to in a group, if someone says, what are you dudes up to? Or like, if one of my girlfriends is like, Hey dude. Or if one of you guys were to say that, like, I wouldn't think it was weird. And, uh, I say, I use the word dude all the time. But recently I was, um, at a conference and, <laughs> Somebody, I think they were not malicious at all, but they uh, posted in the Slack channel. uh, They were like, hey, if any of you uh, UI slash UX dudes have any advice that you'd like to give, I'd love to hear it. And he was trying to set up like a special thing where somebody could stand up with like a keynote and show their process and like how to build icons or something. And I'm like, I actually have a pretty good process for building icons, but. I'm not going to fucking share it now because you asked specifically for dudes. I, I went to John and I actually, like, cried a little bit because it was like we had just had this big, like, talk about diversity as a group. And then for this person to say, like, I want an, a UX dude to show me how it's done, it, it, it meant to me that in his mind, like, he, he's just he doesn't mean to. But he's imagining that that person is a male, and just without even realizing it, he just completely excluded my gender.
1: What if it had said, "Hey guys"?
2: I would have been like, "That's fine." (laughs) So that's why I am. I think it's like in everyone's best interest to try to drop that language because, for me, guys isn't offensive. but But
1: for others
2: right but for some people they say it is so you just have to take their word for it
1: i have an anecdote uh my coworker was telling me that in some countries uh you always use the gender of the majority of the group so the converse would be if if i was hanging out with uh you linda and two girls and someone walked up to us they would say hey girls Right? Oh, and I would be included in that, and it's the it's the exact same thing. Right? Then
2: it's just math. But here, if you were to do that, it would be such an ironic thing. Hey, ladies, and you'd be like, right? uh, yeah.
0: That sounds really fratty.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, ladies.
2: <laughs> Girls, done putting on your mascara yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's part of the problem is is people not understanding that certain people are just sensitive to certain things, right? And I think that we need to. I, I guess be more aware of that. I certainly probably have the same problem of saying guys when, when that actually doesn't truly apply to the gender of the people
3: I'm talking to. I think when people use it non-maliciously, when people are, are aware that it's problematic, it's a mix of several things. It's a mix of one growing up on Californian media you know, we we grew up listening to Blink One Eighty Two or something. We're like, hey, you know, this, <laughs> this is how people talk. Spoken um, like a true Californian. The other thing is that the the concept of a gender gender neutral third person plural term is like still relatively new. It's like it's new enough to the English language that people are still kind of finding their way with it. People are still trying on different phrases to see what fits. I use y'all all the time in Slack, but it sounds really, really dorky if I say it in real life. Because <laughs> it say y'all. sounds like you're saying yo. i say y'all. Georgia. I say yeah. yo. What's that? Right, right, but like, that's not inclusive to British people because we can't say it with our voices. Yeah. <laughs> we sound dumb. Same <laughs> as folks. Same all my Southern as, you know. friends say you all now
0: instead of y'all. Hey, you that's all. That's like so a so we say this thing.
3: Hey, you all.
2: You could just say anyone. You
0: all want to go to this thing? Hey, y'all. So hey, Would you anyone like to go out. to this thing? I like
1: uh, team. Hey, team cause then you <laughs> actually feel cohesive, right? Team? Yeah. Fam,
3: Sup team, homies fam. and folks.
2: Anyways, I didn't mean to get all deep and uh
3: No, it's cool. Touchy but I think touchy, but. I think like the the value of like the English language is that it's incredibly expressive. Um it's just that it's this is a new thing that we're all trying to figure out together and I'm sure more patterns will emerge, things will emerge that don't feel dorky and everyone can feel comfortable, making everyone feel included. Comfortable making everyone else comfortable. Yeah, I hope so.
1: Uh, John, talk to me a little bit about what's going on for you right now. Obviously, it sounds like you're enjoying some of the work you're doing exploring design tools, but like,
0: what else is going on in your head right now? In my head right now, he's um, excited to be here on the Gold Coast, being the truest Californian.
3: The Gold Coast,
2: John Gold Coast.
3: I'm oh. trying to figure out what I want. I think going back to I don't know going back to what Linda was saying, we always we jump into bouts of freelancing. Being like, this is amazing. And then we're like, I really want a full time job. And then we get a full time job. We're like, I really wish I was freelance. Mm -hmm. And it's just this I don't know for me anyway. It's been like this consistent grass is always greener. Yeah. I mean, we want what we can't have. But some people, some people thrive as freelancers. So how do you know, right? You have to try it, I guess.
2: True.
3: Yeah, for sure. I've done the freelance thing so many times. I'm like, do I want to do this again? Maybe, probably, not sure. Right. Trying to figure that out. Um, else i've been thinking about i've been thinking about community mm-hmm. i the tv show no i never, show. i could never Wonderful. get into that okay. i could not get into that <laughs>
2: uh joel McHale.
3: let's talk more about that about community but the fact that you can't get into it because that's a deep personal issue
2: Ooh. i'm
3: more of a curb your enthusiasm kind of guy
2: but how do you compare potatoes to pears you know Mm. like
3: they both have P's and E's
0: oh pear potatoes. but other than that I don't know but of course you're
3: referring to a different kind of community
2: are you talking about the community on the world wide web
3: I'm talking about the internet community (gasps) Uh, what do you think I was just having a moment the other day, like I was like hanging out in Australia and like I've never been to Australia before, but it's like, there are all these people who I have like typed words on my keyboard to a couple of times or who friends of friends have typed words to on their keyboard a couple of times. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of nice for people who are maybe a little bit dorky in high school and stuff that we kind of found each other. And I don't know it's just having like a little like, this is kind of rad moment. Um, I was thinking about a personal uniform as well or uniform well, in general. Well you already I have wear One. black on black I do, on black. black on black. I wear black on black on black. You wear Blue on blue on black. I wear a blue t shirt and black jeans every day of my life. So I was in a I was in an In N Out burger restaurant, Venture franchise, the other day. And I know I was kind of freaking out. I was like I was I was like looking around and I was like, Whoa, there are so many people in uniform here and then I looked down and I was like, Oh, I'm I'm wearing my uniform. Um, it's just interesting, like thinking about I don't know what it signifies or the, you know how it affects you as a as a person. Like
1: Designers how- have pretty stereotypical uniforms, right? Yeah, yeah, all black. Do we button down?
2: This is the button-down side of the table, and oh my gosh!
0: You got to the T-shirt wow. side. Dark T-shirts were button-downs. Yeah, I,
3: qu- I quite like it. Like it's a design thing. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm not like I'm not wearing something crazy and arty every single day, but I kind of like the idea of being like, what is my idea of the most perfect thing that I can wear given my set of constraints, and then just sticking to it. Like to me, that's a design problem to be solved. And you it, solved it with all black. I I don't like colors. Lowest common denominator goes with everything.
2: Yeah, I'm jealous. Um, as a as a female woman,
1: <laughs> not the other <laughs> kind.
2: We don't get to pull, we can't pull that off quite as much. But I found myself doing that, especially like in the winters in New York. I would um, do black jeans and like a button down every single day, and it was just like you know picking from that cartoon closet. Like, is it going to be like a purple Oxford, blue?
0: I Today have it's yellow. Like Twelve Oxfords three pairs of the same jeans, a couple of t-shirts, a couple of the same sweatshirt cardigan thing.
2: Yeah. I do think that it's, it's nice. I feel like the world is headed in that direction where it's like really acceptable to just have your uniform that you get to wear every single day. But growing up, I can just hear my mom saying like, people are going to think you didn't shower.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. People like, still ask me all the time, like.
2: Is that the same uh, do one?
1: You, do you own more clothes? I'm like, yeah, I have, just have fucking like 15
3: of these shirts. No one says that to me. Maybe people just assume that I don't. No, Oh. No, man. Wait,
0: you shower? <laughs> no,
2: because the smell <laughs> confirms it, John. It's like, yes, that <laughs> yeah, is we don't, definitely. We don't
1: have to guess on you, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man.
2: Oh, man. Oh, so anyways, so, so all of these dorks who... Uh, wore uniforms in high school, have grown up now, and they're wearing a different uniform, but they're calling it design. So
0: <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> much that.
2: So it's pretty much that. Um, is that how you got into design, or was it the other way around? Did you get into design and then find this community?
3: Definitely the second way. Um, I think when I was getting into design, when I was in college and I was interning in you know big design companies in London, advertising agencies, whatever, you never assumed that it would be this good. I, I definitely didn't. I thought, you know, design to me was something that I loved. And it was something that we all loved, everyone in my college class. But uh, it felt very impersonal. It felt like another old school system. I don't think for a minute anyone imagined that design would be this much fun, that we'd get to hang out and work on inventing cool shit every day. And mm. it's kind of cool. I don't know, just, take, take, of cool. just taking a minute.
1: The thing that's crazy to me is how small the design community is. Like there's a lot of designers, and so
0: I, I see a very small subset. Everyone here knows everyone here. Yeah. I worry it if starts... again to Gabriel Valdivia's point: this is not all designers. No, I know but our design community. This is our yeah. design community. Yeah. Yeah, it's the weird because one.
2: there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of designers out there. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day because every tab that he had open, because he's getting into product design, was like either an article written by somebody that I know personally or like somebody's dribble page that I know personally and I was like this is so weird I, I know all of these people like the design world is sm- so small and he was just like no there are a ton of designers out here who are like trying to make it and then there are just the people who've like floated up to Silicon Valley who all know each other
3: I don't think we floated up I think there are a lot of ups I think just within I don't know maybe it's a bubble maybe it's a click I don't think I think think that's the right word. Well, software
1: design is, I don't know that many print designers, right? There are still
3: lots of software designers.
1: I know some, like I know a few illustrators. Yeah. I know a few like people here and there, but uh, yeah, I think I've probably been warped in some sort of way about associating design with like what Silicon Valley calls a product designer. And I think that's probably wrong. It is wrong. Why uh, is it wrong? At least I should be more conscious of my terminology. To be like, even just now, like saying the design community is so small, right? right. What I'm actually we knew saying it is, what so what you I'm mean our design, our, our software product design community, the San working Francisco, working on websites and apps, right? Yes,
0: it's very small. Well, there's
3: there's those outside San Francisco. They do, like Mr. Gold, like, but but the London design community as well is the same thing. It's like you know everyone. But I maybe, think maybe of people
0: who like we never come across in person. Mark Edwards stands out to me. Right?
3: That's because he's in Australia, which is super far away.
0: Yeah, but that has nothing to do with San Francisco. But he's still very much a like a huge part of our community. Allison oh, right now. Sorry. Yeah. She she was here.
1: Yeah, that was actually. Raji was in Montana. Yeah, someone mentioned to us uh, I guess it was yesterday, maybe if you're listening to this, you should tweet at us and let us know what you think. But it was basically that on this show, we've skewed very heavily towards digital product software designers. Uh, and someone was saying we should expand a
0: little more and talk to fashion and, and that was and print. The thing I was saying before about Gabriel Valdivia. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. had a good response. I'm, maybe you could talk about it a little bit. I just don't think that that applies to us as much. So I, we started early on. We Talked to a bunch of people who were not that. Uh, we talked to a video game designer. We talked to people who designed like real life, like meat space experiences or uh, stuffed animals, things like that, uh, tea companies. These are people who are not working on software in any way. And some of those were really awesome. Some of them were really hard. I don't think any of them add as much value as even the worst or the best of our software design people because it doesn't directly apply to us we couldn't learn anything from it we couldn't speak their language
2: yeah that's the problem and I also think that the the podcast market is so saturated that you get to be a little bit specific yeah.
0: take your fucking pick someone else is interviewing those people yeah, yeah listen I, to
2: the fashion design podcast yeah like I Tim think, Gunn probably has one
0: right uh, I think I think it's Vanity Fair or Vogue has one on our same podcast hosting platform. I see it on their marketing yeah. page.
1: There you go. So I, I would say that's probably our stance on that. It's right, like there's a niche and you got to find your niche and own it. And for us, that's happened to become this this niche of folks we're talking to. I think Paul
3: Graham. Paul, the Paul Graham niche. We're not going to talk about Paul Graham. Um, <laughs> I think... I think that it's important for digital product designers to go beyond rectangles and green buttons. What are you talking about? And iPhones. Nice sight that hands. is
0: round Rex and.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was a um, middle
3: finger.
2: <laughs> oh, burn.
3: I think that it's important for designers, for software designers to go beyond what we do every day, to go beyond Dribbble, to go beyond Panda. And Pander. Uh, it's Panda? Is it Panda. Panda? Panda. Something like that. <laughs> pander 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 app will you guys stop cutting off your guests (laughs) that was me without foot no um there's a whole world of like crazy inspiration out there you know there's like coffee shops in pacifica and there's mountains and there's other industries there's art there's galleries there's all of that stuff um that said i think there's so much to what we do in software design there's there's still just enough to talk about that you don't have to go outside this bubble. I think what makes it a community is that we're all going through the same thing. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Love it.
2: Yeah, that's so true. And I'll tell you guys what I tell my clients all the time. Uh, I think that some people, when they're building a brand or an app, especially an app, um, there's this temptation to do all of the things. They're like, oh, but what if we add on this feature and this feature and this feature? Scope creep. There you go. You... Just have to first ask yourself what will we not do, you know? Like what? Okay, we're not going to be the fashion design podcast. And that's okay, you know. You don't have to apologize to anybody for that. This is just what you guys are into, and that's fine. You guys. You guys.
1: You can't say that. <laughs> well, she's referring to a bunch of guys. Could
0: you say I, a, uh, folks, please? You, you folks.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know your genders.
0: Yeah, what if we don't fit on the on the gender binary?
2: Then that's fine. Oh, just recently um, at Weno, I decided that I'm going to be filling the men's and women's bathrooms with uh, men's and women's stuff. So there will be tampons in the boys' room, and maybe some beard oil in the women's room. I don't know.
0: Is beard oil yet. a bathroom thing?
2: We, I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Yep. You guys <laughs> Actually, have...
1: nodding his head vigorously. <laughs> I was
3: I I was working from their office the other day, and my beard was, was good. <laughs> Whats out <laughs> not lacking in sheen <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, so it sounds like this community um can be built from wherever you know you don't have to be in San Francisco to be a part of it. There are people from all over the country and from the world who are getting just as involved as the people who are here, and I definitely had that when I was in Atlanta that was i I kind of fell into design like in school and the design community came on accident just by like having a Twitter account. I just kind of got one because I was sort of curious and with that account, I met all of these people and it snowballed into like this whole world that I live in today and all of the people that I know. It's amazing.
3: Well, that's the thing like this isn't the San Francisco design community, and it's not the I know there are there are so many different ways to slice it, but to me it's always been the Twitter. Design community. Yeah. yeah, it's not like we're even so on true. Twitter that much. Like I, accurate. I probably have all of my industry friends on Facebook now and on Instagram now, like whatever. But it, it was the fact that we kind of came together over the past decade, half decade, all through the internet. I had someone, uh, a previous acquaintance,
0: come into the office today and mention. Oh, I've got this designer. I told him about your podcast. He's going to reach out to you. He's been really like wondering about mentorship and how to find it in the city and everything. And I went and like searched for him on Twitter and he didn't have one. I'm like, well, there's this problem.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what he's going to do. But it's such a distraction. Like I think it's such a double-edged sword. Like for every, like I have friends and I have a subset of my friends and I have all of my career because of Twitter. Yep. Like legit. Like I would never have met any of you guys, you all, you folks. Um, I there are so many jobs, so many conferences I went to, so mm-hmm. many people I've met has all been through Twitter. But then, totally. But then I also look at the times when I do my best work, and there's no Twitter. There's no Twitter. So I, it's like, Would do you? Do?
2: I'm going to firmly disagree with you on this one. I think that it has <laughs> it has uh, way more to do with your personality type. Because for me, Twitter is like a glass of water. It's like if I'm in the middle of my design process and I need a quick break. I'll open Twitter. I know my own personality and that I will scroll through that list for maybe two or three minutes, get kind of bored, and then go back to what I was doing. And it's like I think that some people are very prone to that, though, to that they will just get sucked into this rabbit hole and, like, lose hours of their time.
3: It's an ADHD thing, I think.
2: Yeah.
1: My biggest problem is I do that and I, like, get caught up on tweets and I click the home button on my phone. And I'm like, Huh. What else should I check? <laughs> and then I here? open Twitter again. And I just I do that fucking so many
0: times. read two new tweets. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, no, oh, that I, happened
2: I, to me so bad. <laughs>
0: you get stuck in these bad loops. I have like, like five, five yeah. accounts with different people that they follow. So it's like five different feeds. <gasps> down oh my on God.
2: The other day I went to Side Inspire to look at, um, I was looking for like a really good Serif font. So I was looking at what, you know, new sites are doing. And um, I saw this, this, uh, site for wool shoes and I was like oh these are pretty cool (laughs) within like five minutes I had bought shoes oh no (laughs)
0: Like,
2: wait what was I here for oh yeah serif fonts
3: oh that's the worst but I mean it goes back to like the deep work thing I think if you don't have like defined goals if you don't have like a if you don't have something that's like really really driving you like the times when I fuck around on Twitter the most and I'm pretty sure everyone is like this the times when you procrastinate the most when you're working on shitty projects like or when if you're working
2: could. on that one thing that's going to define your entire career, <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and, you just just and that will never start. <laughs> yeah. I find that the only time—I uh, shouldn't say only time because it tends to be a lot of time—but it's when I don't have clarity. Yeah. If I don't yeah, have, yeah, yeah, yeah. if I don't know what I'm supposed to do next,
3: then I'll just infinitely like fuck around with other things. So how do we solve that? Just continuously try and go for clarity every day. I mean, that's a that's a
0: pretty good goal. Um, I like to Why are we so bad at it?
3: do super itemized lists,
0: break them down really granular. And that, I mean, that gives me a go point.
1: Yeah. I, I do the same thing. I do a daily list of things to do and then a weekly list of things I would like to get done. And I guess I'm saying the same thing in a different way. Uh, but I find that to be helpful because then you have a, like a little bit higher
0: level and then a little more granular. Yeah. I used to really like that uh, three, three small things, one big thing list. Uh, I think John Zaratsky came up with that. I uh, mm. picked it up from Daniel Burka. That was something I really enjoyed for a while. Uh, currently I just write a list of things that I know I like have to get done before I go to bed that night.
1: Yeah, wait, now Now I'm curious to what we're talking about this, Linda. So you have c- kind of saying eight in uninterrupted hours at Wayno to actually design. Yeah. What's your environment? How do you How actually do you do stay that? focused? How do
2: I stay focused? How do yeah. you do that
1: when you get in at 11?
2: Oh, man.
0: She works till seven. It's true. I mean, she was now, at tacos with me at six. So,
1: <laughs> lies.
2: Today was not the most. Uh, I wouldn't brag Yeah, how about do you stay today.
1: productive on the days where you only work three hours and then get tacos at six?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to just get a go. <laughs> no, I. So, like, we, we have kind of the typical design studio setup. We have these long tables that we all kind of sit next to each other. And. I don't know. I think we're all just expected to know how we work best. So you figure out, like, what environment do I produce my best work in? So some of our designers do come in, like, quite a bit later, but they stay a lot later because they know that they work better in the later hours. And some of us are creatures of habit who need to be in, like, right at 9 and leave right at 5. And uh, I think that it's just okay to do whatever works best for you. So, yeah, I, I go in. I sit at my desk and... There are in there are distractions sometimes, but you know you have good headphones, and I think the headphone rule is pretty prominent there. And we, even if we're right next to each other, we just talk to each other on Slack all the time, and um, might as well be remote. <laughs> and that's no, the but arguments. that's so not true. That's so not true yeah, because I for me, no, I like to play. just just knowing that people are there, like that's what keeps me focused.
3: If we think about like environments, my least favorite in the entire world is working at a coffee shop on my own and maybe my most favorite in the entire world is working at a coffee shop with friends or working in a friend's office with friends but like not working on the same yeah. things together
2: so you worked from our office the other day
3: i can vouch for some of your designers staying late i think we left at like 9 p.m really yeah nice it was it but was then gr-
2: some of us checked out right at five right
3: You did. It was good. You did. (laughs) You specifically (laughs) did. Linda Linda came
1: in at 4 p.m. and left at 4.30. Well, I I think we could talk about that a little bit because I had a really interesting conversation when I started uh, at my current job about this. The book face. The book face. About the implicit pressure that we feel to stay later, work longer. It's always in the back of your head a little bit, I think. Really? uh, That you know who's staying later and you know who's getting there earlier and even if you don't care, maybe I'm just being projecting onto everyone in this room but in the back of my head I know and I very subconsciously compare myself to that and so what I have to consciously do is say I'm done at 520 every day because I catch the shuttle home. Actually, I'm not done. I I work on the shuttle but I leave the office at 520 every day no matter what the conversation is and I get there when I get there Um, but it sometimes is overwhelming and like a little daunting to see people staying later than you every single day right
2: yeah but that's the thing i think that we need to fight that because there are people in this industry who have families who have wives and children and lives outside of the office and i think that it really sucks (laughs) they have husbands too um but like there are that was a good point I'm glad that you caught Jeez. that. That was no that was a perfect example of the, of the bias because yeah. I'm used to only working I don't think I've ever worked with a married woman as a designer. I've only worked with married men. Weird. Anyways, um I mean like design peers.
1: We can. People. but we, we know why that happens too by the way.
2: Yeah. Babies. So oh, that's so fucked up. So I, th- I think that we just—it's bad to create this environment where everyone is like outstaying each other at the office, uh, because then you just can't ever hire anybody who's older than you, and then you can't have like that more experienced voice in the room. You know, it's just—I
3: don't think it's healthy. I ran into the flip side of that. Um, I think maybe about three, four years ago, like I used to be super, super bad at like just getting to places on time. So I'd, I'd you know, I'd rock up at like ten thirty, eleven maybe when most people were getting at like nine ten, Um, And everyone else, you know, all the founders of the company had, you know, healthy work-life balances. They had families and stuff and they would all leave at like 5 p.m. And I'd stay until 8, nine ten every evening, but I'd be the only person there for like the last four hours. And I felt, I don't know if this was just me like projecting on myself, but I always felt like, you know, no one, know, no one knows that time. You know, people just see me rock up late. People don't see me stay and put in those extra hours. So really like the whole thing's fucked. Like you should just never judge other people based on when they come or go, because you don't know they might, mm-hmm. they might be working on the shuttle. They might be working. Yeah. At just night.
2: trying to, to silence that judgmental voice inside your head. Cause it, it's judging you and it's judging other people.
0: I really like to balance working during the day with the team, which is What I like to think of as more my communication time with working kind of later at night, which is when I can like, there's no internet, basically. Like everyone's done with the internet. I don't have to worry about that. I'm just doing whatever it is that I want to work on and I can just go and go and go. And then when I come to a natural breaking point, I go to bed.
1: Mm, That seems like an intense schedule. See, I can't keep that up. I need need to stop working on work. Some
3: nights it's an hour. Some nights it's eight hours. I'm absolutely like a night owl. But I'm trying really, really hard to just work from 8, 9 a.m. and stop whenever Flux tells me that it's time to stop <laughs> the computer screen, which isn't how my brain's wired at all. But So why are you doing it?
2: Yeah, I say you do you, man.
3: I just yeah, feel, well, I don't the, know. Dude, you're freelancing. Yeah, it's the part. Free. <clears throat> There's something about seeing daylight, you know. It sucks <laughs> like being up until 4 a.m., waking up at 11, waking up at 12, like not seeing the world. I don't know. Trying to, trying to change that and I feel a lot better <laughs> about myself when I do wake up and just you know get four hours work done before 12 it's kind of nice
1: I think we're over time
3: how do, do,
0: do you feel? Do, do, we, do, we, do, we are we're out of significantly do we? out of time anything you guys want to plug before you go?
2: I would like to plug dot.
0: yeah we're going to do that in the
2: Co- <laughs> well shut up that's the only thing I do anymore
0: <laughs> you're
2: At At little no no. At little no no. no. At little no no on Twitter.
1: And you can hear the origin story of that on Linda's episode of Design Details. Yes, you can. Meet Wad Flip Flops.
3: I have nothing to plug. Um, Check out my new website, john.gold. I don't have analytics on it. So, whatever. I have nothing to plug. That's the thing you want to
0: plug this thing.
2: You can plug meditation.
0: (laughs) And you're at johngold? Yeah. (laughs) Follow me or something.
2: (laughs) Tweet at me or something.
0: (laughs) Engage with my personal brand. Be my friend. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks Thanks for having us. Awesome. That was 114. Thank you to John and Linda for coming and hang out with us and talking about community and all sorts of important things that we're not smart enough to talk about on our own. Before we go, we want to thank our two sponsors. First up this week, Dropbox. Dropbox, as you well know, is a way, is the easiest way to work with any file, with any tool, on any computer, on any device, with whoever you want, wherever you are, wherever they are. And that way you can just focus on making cool stuff. We appreciate them sponsoring the show. So thank you once again to Dropbox. You can check them out at dropbox.com.
1: Thanks again to Atomic, our new sponsor, for helping make this episode possible. They're truly building a prototyping tool that actually works with teams. Uh, And I haven't seen anything that quite hits that balance right now. And what they're going to be doing with Atomic components is really exciting having reusable interactions and pieces of design that can, can be shared across files and your team really exciting stuff. Check them out at atomic.io and go to our show notes. And if you hit them up on Twitter and mention at design details FM, they'll extend a 30 day trial to 60 days or restart old trial you've had uh, at no cost. Of course, thanks again to Atomic for sponsoring the show.
0: We'll see you on Wednesday with Kelly Sutton.
1: I don't know if I ever told you guys this. I, I wrote about it because. One um, medium? I was writing medium think pieces. Think pieces. Uh, I did a polyphasic sleep experiment for two weeks. Really? You did you have this? the
2: things attached to you and all that? What? No? Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Wait, what? Like, a, like what? an
3: Uberman?
1: Yeah, yeah, similar. Except instead of two hours, I did four hours of sleep every night for. I made it like two weeks. But there was this really, really magical thing that
3: happened during those two weeks and you lost all of your friends because you didn't have a regular yeah, calendar I lost all
1: my friends and <laughs> zero I, I almost collapsed from exhaustion after running for like a mile uh those things aside i remember so vividly this day where my sleep schedule had me waking up at 2 a.m i worked till six took a 20 minute nap and then worked till 10 and my whole work day was done Wow, And Whoa. it was really magical. Like, I just fucking chilled the rest of the day. How much Xbox did you play for that period of your life? None. I worked on other things.
2: But you had to do the 20-minute nap every four hours, right?
1: Uh, I think I was doing a 20-minute nap uh, yeah, every four hours or something.
2: Huh. That's so weird.
1: Yeah. But I was working remote at the time. But it was great. It was just it, kind of what you were saying, John, like being able to be awake during the daylight and watching the sunrise every morning for... Two weeks was kind of rad.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Why did you do this experiment? Just curiosity?
0: Uh, Yeah, curiosity.
1: Glad I did it. Glad I don't do it anymore. Yeah.
2: Yeah. you also
0: started drinking Soylent at that time.
2: Uh.
1: And I still drink Soylent. I still, I think I drink some of your Soylent.
2: Uh, you're such when... a bro.
1: Dude,
0: Dude, dude. <laughs> my soylent brings all <laughs> the best. You call you a Shit.
2: bro, and you call me a dude.
3: <laughs> Shit. When I Shit. last left San Francisco, I had about two crates of soylent left over, and you and gave it to us. <laughs> I gave it. To, I gave it to Brian because I felt like that was the broiest San Francisco thing I could <laughs> do for you. Brian, bro lovin.
2: Brian, as a former uh, cook or chef or whatever you called yourself, Brian what is bro-in. your take? Brian's a current chef. Soylent.
0: I don't drink it.
1: i will defend soylent until the day that it's proven bad for me i can just look at the ingredients and read them to
2: you
3: (laughs) i think it's good i do it i dare you it's good for those times you're like i need some calories and i don't have time to think about it eat a banana what if you haven't gone shopping you don't have any bananas
2: but you have soylent like
3: yeah yeah
2: instacart will send you a banana just like soylent will send you the soylent I'm sorry. I feel like I.
3: Why are you so anti-soilant? And why I am is soylent, very anti Why is that such a bro thing? It's just like having a Cliff Bar. Like it I woke is up this morning and thing. I didn't have time That's to buy why, why is it such a and bro had a thing? Cliff I feel bar, like, like honestly,
1: I feel offended that you're projecting that onto me.
3: Nice baseball cap,
1: dude. I wear this baseball cap because my hair is so long. I'm embarrassed
0: to show it. <laughs> oh, hey, you know there's a thing for that called a haircut. No time, dude. No time. They, they too have, many barbers too yeah. many <laughs> have barbers There's at Facebook. Too many
1: designs to make. You legit have barbers at Facebook. There's too many pixels so, no, that, that await me. Okay. Well, be blue,
2: the soylent the <laughs> and the haircut and everything, all of that is exactly what I'm talking about when I say that like our, our work environments produce this anxiety that we don't have time for anything. It doesn't matter at and, Facebook.
0: They have physical therapists there. It's taken care uh,
2: of.
0: Uh, uh, so, masseuses. Yeah.
2: I don't know. I think it's just, it's weird. It's that it's already kind of been uh, marked as this, this young bro culture. And then it's like, the stereotype is that there are these young men who don't know how to take care of themselves. Oh, God. <laughs> and then they're drinking, like, protein shakes as meals and, like, not learning how to cook or, like, how to do things outside of... You know, it's, What's it's just I think so it's something wrong? you can
3: conditionally Here. use in your life when you don't particularly want to cook. I like cooking some of the time, and some of the time I just like want to sit there and Photoshop. The it's like a where, great meal for camping.
1: Here's where I'm at. Yes. Here's where
0: I'm at. I,
3: yeah.
1: I honestly have enough self-awareness to know that I fit the stereotype of a Silicon Valley bro to a T. I work <laughs> at Facebook. I'm a designer. I write the shuttle to work. You
0: don't have a nice enough haircut.
1: I, I have... <laughs> A fucking scruffy beard, long hair, and uh, I talk about design all the time, right? I get it. And I drink Soylent. True. Uh, so I have that self-awareness. And you have a podcast. And I, and I, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I need to have reality checked checked. all the boxes. Uh, but, okay, so I have that self-awareness, but at the same time, I've- still have this very practical utilitarian outset on on the way that I run my life. And for me, at this point in time, I recognize it'll change as I have a girlfriend, which I don't, I don't have a family. I don't have these things. It right? didn't
0: change when you had a girlfriend, it's fine.
1: Not that one of them's causing the other, I will have, yeah. you, have you know. But I, I recognize these things will change. But at this point in my life, like I love the utilitarian thing. I love having one outfit. I love the, the quick grab and go of a toilet in the morning because I don't have to make anything. I don't have to wash anything, right?
3: But
0: then you have, a tiny dog that's named after food.
3: To be, I have a tiny
1: dog named Taco. That, that's, I, that's not you if, if I
3: can be pretty Californian about it, I think it's completely fine to be mindful about these things. Like, you're obviously not some, like, douchebag Marina bro. Like, you're a Soma bro. He's, so, on, he's on the opposite end of the bro spectrum. I'm a Soma bro. Um, I think, you know, like, uh, you can be mindful about this shit. Like, I, I'm also... I try not to project the bro... Not,
2: also, I just want to say that there's I, one of the only person in my office who's very into soylent is a female, so it's it's not just a dude thing.
1: I dated a girl who drank soylent. Yeah, what up?
2: I think that some people are just like they care less. Did she about start food drinking when
3: you dated That's fine. her? Nope. She knew about it. Before. Sometimes, no, I it Sometimes I want to have. Did she start drinking? Sometimes I want to have some calories and like get on with anything else that isn't. Yeah. That.
2: So I, I. Anyways, to back I up a little you do, bit, you man. I'm sorry for giving you so much shit. Um oh, it's, it's cool. It's just it's weird because uh, I have like these visions of seeing like engineers asleep at their desks with a bottle of soyle next to them. I'm like, this is not a healthy environment for people to work in it's or to be expected thing, to work Because
3: then in. they can sleep so No, <laughs> you know, the only company I've worked at where that actually happened, we had chefs. So yeah. We had we had delicious protein rich paleo food. All yeah, the but time. No, those people won't we take the, the break
2: to leave their desks to go get the food even because they feel like the whole company will fall apart if they take that 10 minutes, you know,
3: that's not healthy, but that's, but that's when, it, not but that's when it's that like, organi- happening here. No, but that's you. when it's like organizationally projected, which yeah. I don't think it is. Like Brian is having Soylen at home of his own free will. It's not like it's being pumped right. down to him. That's
2: what I'm saying. So I, I apologize for giving you so much. Shit Can
3: we apologize habits, to Paul Graham but... as well? <laughs> <laughs> Soylen Paul Graham like, I like no, both I, those things. I, I Everybody I actually,
1: should eat what they want. I actually don't mind at this point of like, I have a, you-do-you kind of attitude about it because, I I mean, every time we bring it up on the show, I get shit about it. Uh, So I don't really care. Um, I just can't think of anything more dull than criticizing other people's life choices. I am self-aware about it, yeah.
2: It's all good.